Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. I never know how to like, do an intro. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't want to just like jump right into my book, but like, Krista and I chat before this. No, not that we don't want to include you in our chats. It's just, this one um, would have been very off topic. It really was. Like, if it was like topical, I would be super here for it, but it's not. Um, we picked memoirs this time. So the theme this week is memoirs. If you didn't see our little uh, Instagram story preview that we've started doing, if you haven't noticed, stepping up our Instagram game. Very exciting. I will Trying say I did have to Google what a memoir was versus what like an autobiography was. What's the difference? So I'm going to teach you. So autobiography is somebody, obviously it's themselves versus biography, but it's about like their whole life where a memoir is more about them telling about like, uh, one experience that they had or the smaller part of their life something they've experienced an event type thing that maybe they put on or whatever so it's a much smaller part of their life it's not like when I was four years old I think that totally makes sense because like with the book memoirs of a geisha like it's not talking about necessarily these women's lives outside of being a geisha it's just talking about the geisha experience mm-hmm. so I guess that, that actually totally makes sense to me I really appreciate you clarifying because I really didn't know. I was like, is it an autobiography? I, yeah, I, don't. I had when I was looking for a book, I was like, I wanted to make sure that I did an actual memoir. And when just like Googling them randomly, there'd be one that'd be like, da, 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 an autobiography. And I was like, stop, put Google, come on, get it together. Anyways, I'm glad that we've got that cleared up. And I know the difference now between a memoir and an autobiography. And I will use this information moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> so the memoir that I picked, I loved. I'm a big fan. Um, I actually, so like backing it up for a sec, I've done a lot of like Rachel Hollis stuff, which is more like memoir-like now that I know this definition because they're like specific instances in her life. This one was so much better. Although I know that Rachel Hollis has like a bad rep. I don't know anything about this person's rep. I was kind of afraid to Google them. Yeah, Rachel Hollis has gone, she she made some bad statements and she- really bad decisions. She doubled down on it. it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I will stand by, I think that some of her advice is solid, but you know- grain of salt that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um anyways so the one that i picked this time i actually picked based on the cover i was like oh that cover's <laughs> really pretty i'm just gonna throw it in my card at target um but i ended up loving it um i did untamed by glennon doyle glennon doyle the way she talks in this book makes me think that she's famous for something else or in general and i don't know who she is but like i said i was kind of afraid to google her which i just didn't want to ruin it yeah you know I, mean? I i feel that other people's opinions like I don't read movie reviews before I watch a movie because I don't want other people's opinions to cloud my own so I'm just going with what I feel about this person so if she is controversial I am very sorry she does say in here that she got some backlash about some decisions that she's made um about like uh she basically wanted to have a like a like a web series where it's like a place for white women to talk about racial issues which I like I get the intent behind it but it it comes across a little sensitive yeah probably didn't land well yeah yeah mm -hmm. so she has had some backlash um but her entire book is really about like digging deeper into the decisions you make and the things that you are like like how women are told from a really young age like what box to fit into and that she didn't even know until she was in her 40s that like the box that she was in you know like how she tried to make herself smaller to be a better wife or a better mother to do the things that like a good woman was supposed to do you know you're you're selfless and you give up all your time for other people and you don't have any of your own needs and she was just like no that's super not how this is supposed to work yeah I hate my life <laughs> um so like the the base of the story basically there's, there's a lot of like small stories like little like one page chapters that's just like here's one specific story I want to highlight um so I think that's really interesting the way that she has it like kind of divvied up but like the bigger picture of the whole book is basically the way that she discovered like how she wanted to be free or untamed like Mm. and um she leaves her husband she's got three children because she fell in love with a woman she's she's a Christian author too so it was like totally out of left field for her so basically in this like big overarching picture is like her rediscovering herself when she like fell in love with this person so like this woman abby just like walks in a room and the second glennon sees her she's just like it's her like she just 
she just knows and like everyone at the table that she was friends with they were at like a some writers conference or gala or something like that so like this woman's another writer um but like all of her friends were just like there's something going on between you guys and like at this point like she's been heterosexual her entire life she's she's married with three children she did not expect this like she did not think that like suddenly her perspective on everything was going to change in like a split second and I think that is so interesting because I think that there's so many things in my life that I've, I've done the same where it's like once you know something you can't unknow it like you can't go back um so this entire story really just like illustrates like the ways in which like women are put into these boxes and not even just like women like she explores how like men in our culture because she specifically talks about American culture right because that's who she is she's American um so she talks about how like men in our culture they don't they don't get taught to be empathetic they're taught that like powerful men are what you should strive to be and they lie and they cheat and they do all these things and so like while she was really intentionally raising her two daughters to make sure that they knew that like their opinion mattered no matter what right she felt like she neglected that son. She's like, I don't know if I ever told him like, it's okay to cry. Like, I don't know if I've ever given him these tools. And so like, it's really interesting the way that like you overcorrect, you know, or you just don't address the things that you don't realize are an issue. And so um, like her biggest theme in this whole thing is like being able to just like know yourself and like know what's the right decision for you. So every single day she spends 10 minutes, like she closes herself into a closet, closes her eyes, like in the dark and just breathes. And so she calls it like the knowing. So she can call upon this knowing at any point in time where it's like, you don't need to like seek other people's opinions and like ask other people's advice to make a decision. Like you take that deep breath, you enter that knowing and you make the decision that's like the gut decision that's like to your core, the right choice for you. And then um, I just like, I love the way she frames a lot of these concepts there's so much here and it's not like a linear story in any way, shape or form. So I just like kind of highlighted a few of the things that I really like that she does talk about. Um, she talks about um, being brave, like how brave can be different to two different people. So she brought her daughters to go get their ears pierced. And one of them who was very like exuberant, like enthusiastic, like outgoing daughter was like, yeah, let's do it. And like, that's her version of being brave. She's like, yeah, we're doing it. I'm just going to be myself. This is what I want to do. Got her ears done. No problem. Like got them both done at once. Right. Where you have like a piercer on both sides. Oh, she was like, yeah, go for it. Like, that's <laughs> bold. That's bold. But her other daughter, while she watched the, the first daughter get her ears pierced was nervous. She's, she's shy. She's quiet. She's very sensitive. Like she knows herself really well. And like Glennon has always encouraged this in her. But after the first daughter got her ears pierced, this other daughter was just like, I, I don't want to, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready. Like, I don't want to do it. And the ear piercer was trying to encourage her, you know, like you do with kids where you're just like, no, it's going to be totally fine. Like, don't be scared. And she was just like, why are we telling our kids that? Like being brave should be being yourself no matter what. Like, it doesn't have to be like sucking up your fear and doing the thing anyway. Like it should be that like, even in a crowd of people who are telling you to do something else, you know what you need to do for you. And like, sometimes being brave is letting people in a room know that you're afraid or that you're a coward. And like, that's okay. Cause like the whole point is that like, you're being true to you, like whatever you need, because honestly, like in the end, like none of these people may be around, you know, in five years or tomorrow, but you will, like, you will always have you like you got to build that like just like everything that she put in here is just like so powerful I honestly loved it um oh here's a good quote I'm just like going through my notes and like the things (laughs) I highlighted that were really good you read it like honestly fucking read it it was so good um one of the quotes that I highlighted was um that she realized that the only thing that was ever wrong with her was her belief that there was something wrong with her because from age 10 she said that, like she can see like the pressures that society puts on you you know there's like as a as a girl you're you're told to be like delicate fragile and feminine and sensitive but not too sensitive like all of these things like you have to wear this you have to do that you have to behave like this because like that's how you know you're a good woman and I'm putting that in air quotes because she says that a lot like she was like I didn't want to be a good woman anymore she's like this sucks <laughs> like I don't want to be in this freaking stupid box um And then she was talking about like, what kind of example is she setting for her daughters when she continues to do this? Like, you're basically like creating a generational idea that like motherhood is martyrdom, which is, it's not like, it's not about being completely selfish. And she said that like, what if our children don't need us to save them, but they need us to set an example and save ourselves. Cause like, how do you show 
a kid how to save themselves from a situation they don't want to be in if you don't do it for you. And like, I feel like that's like a really big thing. Like my mom did, you know, my mom did some of these things. And like, I feel like those things were more powerful than anything she told me. Like when mm-hmm. she made those decisions that yeah, she Yeah, the needed actions to that make. you could actually like see. And then when you're old enough to understand like why she's doing these things. Right. And like for, for Glennon, like everyone is a little different, like kind of like the motivating reasons or, you know, I'm not expecting I'm going to walk into a room when I'm 42 and suddenly realize that I want to be with a random woman I've never met before. But like, who knows? That's the thing is like, you don't know what that thing is going to be. So she talks about how there's just like this ache inside of people where it's like knowing that things end and knowing that loss is coming. And then like people brace themselves for it and they try to hide it. And so for a long time, she, she had um, eating disorders. So trigger warnings for eating disorders and suicidal ideation in this book. Um, when she was a teenager, she was like hardcore into eating disorders. And she's like, uh, she ended up um, like in and out of facilities and she was like never sober from like 15 to 25 or so, like just hardcore because that was the only way to stop that ache that only way to like basically like like go through life but not actually live life and her therapist was like you're basically already dead and like she got pregnant and so it kind of gave her like that moment like that was like that dime where she was just like hold on like I need to do something different like suddenly she had a desire to do something other than just survive um which I think is really interesting because like it is, it is totally different from everybody. Like my mom died and suddenly I was just like, I cannot live the way that I'm currently living. It's like a whole new world, like doors open. And so like for her, like there were those moments, like when she found out she was pregnant, like when she became sober, um, when she met Abby. So I really like the way that she kind of puts things into perspective. I think even if you haven't necessarily experienced those moments, like I think the things that she talked about as far as like cultural standards and expectations, like really hit the, the nose on the head. She does get into some like um, political stuff. This was released after Donald Trump was first elected. So she does get into things like um, Trayvon Martin. I believe that was his last name. Uh, I believe it was Trayvon Martin. Yeah, so she goes like into the shooting and like the conversations that she has with her children about it. And basically like as a Christian person, she went to church and her church was like, we'll send out baskets. She's like, but we're not really doing anything. Like, that's not helpful. And so, like, she does explore a little bit of, like, my um, Me and White Supremacy book did, where it's just, like, you have to do that internal work. And that, that doesn't even just apply to things like racism, although it's a really good example, especially for American culture. But, like, it, it applies to anything. Like, I can be a female who is a hardcore feminist, but I also have roots in misogyny and, pa- like, fucking, like, the patriarchal points of view. You know, like we wear or we do or we say or we plan certain things in our lives based on that general structure. She's like, but why do we do that? Um, she has a really good way of explaining this, like things like uh, faith and gender and sexuality, because those are things that are fluid, right? Like there's not necessarily like a bucket they go in, but as a society, we've made them into buckets. So she was like trying to talk to a group of um, like church people, basically. And one, one old lady was just like, I don't understand transgender essentially she's just like I don't I don't get it she's like I'm not trying to be offensive I just don't understand like where's it come from um and I think that that she makes some really good points about how like you have to ask those questions like no one wants to say a thing and then like be told that they're a fool yeah <laughs> but like but- the difference is if you learn from it or if you're able to like go forward she's like you can't you can't um like rebuild or have like a new perspective unless you tear down the one that you currently have and that is asking those hard questions even in a room full of people and so she basically like she made a joke or whatever to this lady to kind of like lighten up the room because there's like a room of christian ladies um they're very stressed about like how she can respond like how she can receive it like and also that's like really going back to being brave that's really brave of that lady to be like i don't know a thing but i want to know like help okay and so oh i thought she explained it really well. So she basically says that things, um, the three categories specifically that she says are things like faith, gender, and sexuality. It's really like the C, but we don't understand things that are so like intangible, just like as a, as people, we just don't. And so what we do is we put them into buckets. And so like the ocean is faith, but then like we have little buckets that say like Christianity. So there's like a little bit of the sea into each of these buckets, but that doesn't mean that it's the whole picture. Like it just means that these are the buckets that we've put them into to make them palatable and understandable, but that like 
things like sexuality and gender are also fluid, but as a society, we decided to put them into these little cups so that they're digestible so that we can comprehend it. And it's not like scary, you know, like people fear what they don't understand basically. And so she was like, but the thing is that like sexuality isn't the cup. Like it's not straight and it's not gay. Like it's not in the cup. It's, it's the fluid that's inside and people have just chosen to be part of that cup. Just like, so when we are realizing that like these cups don't fit everybody because there's an ocean out there, we add more cups. We had a bisexual cup and we add, you know, can, pansexual. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Sorry, I'm heterosexual. It takes me a while to think of the list. Um, but yeah, so basically like, I really like the way she explains that. And she was like, well, hopefully someday, like they won't even, we won't even bother to have cups. But the thing is like, you can't move forward until you've already torn down that existing structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to break down that cup first. Like no more cup. Right. Exactly. It's just like, how do we get rid of the cup when so many people are just like ingrained in that understanding? Um, so overall, I, this was just an incredibly powerful book and I love the way she explains things. I love the way that she, she goes into like how she's maybe failed with her children and thinks that she could do better, but she doesn't frame it as like failing. Cause, um, there's like a, you know, like you, you do what you can do until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's just like at this point in time, she's like, I just do the best I can, but like, she, she goes into some of those like tougher conversations that she had with her son and about, um, sorry, hiccup. That was annoying. Uh, <laughs> freaking hiccups. Um, but she like goes to these conversations that like she has with her son about how like, like uh, his cell phone, for example, how she, she notices that like her children aren't creating anymore. They just like turn into zombies and they're just consuming. It's like Ed Sheeran, like cut himself off of social media because he said he didn't want to consume other people's content. He wants to create his own. And like, there's a lot of studies about how basically like using a cell phone from a young age prevents your creative mind from like doing anything. And so like, she's concerned that like, there's going to be a whole generation of people who could be amazing artists or writers, but they just never have to pick up the pen or musicians, but they never needed to pick up their aunt's guitar because they had a phone in their face instead. Like, she's like, I don't want to take away my child's boredom because it's really important because after boredom is when creation happens. So like, she has like those conversations with her son about how, like, I'm really sorry. Like, I feel like I failed you because I've allowed you to do this thing, but like, she doesn't do it in a way where she just like recognizes it and then just takes it from him. Right. Like they have these deep conversations and like, it's really impressive. Like her children sound very evolved. And like, she talks about how, like, you don't really need to spend a lot of money to get the thing that you're looking for. Right. Like sometimes we want to go with our gut feeling and like, your gut is like, I want to rent that vacation house for my family. It's like, okay, but what's like the root of that gut? Like dig a little bit deeper into like why you wanted to do that. And so like her friend basically came to her with this and she's like, I want to do this, but I know I can't afford it. Like, what do I do? And she's like, well, why do you want to do that? And like, first she talks about like other people's social medias and like, they've got their cute family pictures and all this stuff. She's like, okay, but why do you want to do it? Like, what, what's the reason? And she's like, well, I feel like my family has been really disconnected lately. And like, I wish we could like communicate better and all this stuff. So they came up with like an alternative where her friend went to a dollar store and spent two bucks on a basket. And then an hour every day, her family, all of them had to just put their phones in the basket. And after, you know, people grumbled at first or whatever, but like over time she got that, like, you're not going to fix it in a weekend either is the thing. Like, she's like, you could have spent all this money and gone and had one weekend or you spend $2 on this basket to like work towards that goal. So like a lot of it is like digging deeper into like what that reason is. So like she talks about like doing that thing that like you need to do like in your knowing, right? But it's not, well, what if after work I want to drink a whole bottle of wine? Okay, but why? Like, but what's the reason for wanting to do that? Like, are you sad? Like, so really like one of her big things is just like making sure you feel all of the feelings. She's like, you're not living if you're just like trying to avoid the bad feelings. She's like, you have to get through them before you can get to the other side. Like, I just think in general, like this is all really, really powerful stuff. And I would totally watch more from her. She mentioned in it that she has like a web series or was doing a webinar. Hmm. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. I was say I might, I have an audible credit. I wonder, I'll see if she's a good narrator. It might be, Ooh, yeah, I, bet that would, I bet it would be good to listen to. I bet it would. And I know that I, I know I have, I think maybe two credits spreading a hole in my pocket. So, so yeah, I'll see, I'll five, see out five, awesome. five out of five stars. Five out of five. Okay. Damn. Yeah. I'm going to check that one out because so I agree with you. The cover is gorgeous. It's beautiful. So that's what caught me. And then the words kept me. Yeah. So I'm glad that we started with you because my book oh. is like heavy. Oh, good. Like I don't want to say dark because not necessarily dark, but it is heavy. So I'm just going to jump right in. So I did Know My Name by Chanel Miller. 
And that, so Chanel Miller is the woman that Brock Turner sexually assaulted behind a dumpster at Stanford. So I thought so. I'm going to throw this out here now to anybody who doesn't want to listen to me talk about this. Like, thank you for listening. We love you. We'll see you on the next episode. (laughs) Totally understand. And throughout this, like there's going to be other triggers. So the triggers for wanting to read the book, like if you choose to read it, um, she also narrated it. I personally didn't prefer her as a narrator. I listened to a sample. That's not like, that's not who she is. She did get her degree in like literature from, um, San, I'm sorry. I forgot where she got it. But anyway, she got a college down in California. (laughs) I should know the guy I did in high school went there. So like I I recognized it when she said that's where she went, but I don't remember it anymore. Um, So like the book is written really, really well, but either way. um, So yeah, so like other random triggers throughout, obviously there's going to be sexual assault. There's like all the grief and trauma that goes along with that. But then a big one that I don't think people like reference is trial trauma. So like multiple times through this she's talking about like she's at the trial and like the defense attorney is doing what they do and -hmm. like I've been there so I'm gonna throw that out there just if we're reading it so okay jumping into the book so most of us I think probably kind of know the basics of what happened to Chanel is that she went out to a party with her sister and I'm going to like kind of throw in like the story that we know. Actually, I'm going to start with just the story we know and then I'm going to go into the book. So basically we know that she was sexually assaulted behind a dumpster. These two guys like came up on it. They were biking. They tackled Brock Turner. They did like he thought he was like, oh, no, she was enjoying it. Man, whatever. And then it went to trial. But the entire time that it was in trial and to be honest with you, I didn't follow the trial. I don't follow trials like I don't get updates. I do. From I'm terrible at it. I just sit around and I wait for the verdict and I, I'm really bad. I don't actually like following it because I think I'm too impatient for it and I get annoyed. Like if I was there, I would love it. But like just reading whoever, whatever like news article is telling me, I can't do it. Um, so it's going on. But the entire time that this is happening, we only know her as Emily Doe because there's like victim rights and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. they can't uh, say her name. And even when she's even like on trial, so like when oh, she's not on trial, I'm sorry. Um, when she is sworn in to testify, she's only known as Chanel Dell. They never release her last name, but her sister has to testify and there are no rights for family members. So there's Tiffany Miller. So it's not really hard to deduce who she is and like figure it out and stuff like that. Like when she's like, it was like an oversight, but okay. Yeah. And so like, that was the thing is that like her sister and then her sister's friends who were at that party too, like they were constantly getting bombarded with these people like calling asking for like information and stuff mm-hmm. so um so basically the story kind of starts the whole reason actually I guess that she got I'm kind of all over the place because I don't really know where I want to take this retelling of this book here um basically the whole I shouldn't say the whole reason but the a big part of the reason that she ended up getting this book deal was because of her victim impact statement that was released afterwards because she says it at the end like that's where you do victim impact statements is after the verdict but before the sentencing so she reads it and the original one that she wrote is like 18 pages long but you're only given or she was only given there are it's up to the judge to decide how long somebody's victim impact statement can be so she had kind of condensed it down to actually like read to the judge and then she like knew somebody or like I think her attorney or somebody knew somebody at BuzzFeed and they're like hey like we think that you should release this like we'll keep it anonymous we don't need to put your name on it so that's kind of like where I figured out kind of like a lot of people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and I don't know like anybody else who was following it outside of the U.S. but that's kind of what you knew is that you read this victim impact statement and it was like oh wow like that was powerful so I think that kind of kind of helped her get the book but either way the book basically is just taking you through her entire side like her entire experience about this of like she so like the night of like she her sister is home from college or yeah her sister's home from college because her sister doesn't go to Stanford and they're like oh hey like you want to go to this like party at this like kappa who whatever fraternity and she's like I don't know it's kind of weird like I'm 22 like I just graduated wouldn't that be weird and they're like no like come out and she wasn't going to she was gonna stay in read a book be a little old lady follow your gut chose to go out because she was like hey I only have like two days with my sister yeah I'm gonna spend these hours with her and so they went they got a taco and like that's the thing is like that taco that she had they keep going back to the fact she had one taco when she went out to a taco but then she comes home she has broccoli and quinoa 
with her father. How do I know this? Because the defense asked it so many times. So she has dinner with her family. Their defense was that she didn't have enough to eat before she drank. So therefore he, oh my God, I just like, oh my God. Well, that's a part of it. I'll tell you the whole defense when we get there. And so then they, so she basically grew, they basically grew up in whatever city Stanford is in. I don't remember. It was in the book, but I don't know. So, but it's a city. We know that. Um, And so like, she's grown up basically, like, I think her, the base of growing up with like Stanford is her backyard. And so they're they're like, hey mom, can you like drop us off at this party? It's seven minutes away. And the mom being good mom is like, like, yeah, I will. Drops them off. They go to the party. They have some drinks. They like find like a handle of vodka or whiskey or rum or some shit. Start drinking it as you do at a college party at 22, whatever. Like you just find it. You're excited. And they're like, just having fun. Like they're just doing shit you do at a party. They need to go pee. There's a big old line. They go outside to pee. Whatever. Perfectly normal shit. And then there's like this guy is kind of like keeps like trying to like kiss her sister and she's like that's weird whatever and then like her next memory oh she's like dancing on a chair and like her next memory is she's like waking up and she doesn't really know where she is and there's like these two men there like one's in a uniform as a cop the other one like introduces himself as the president of stanford or something like that and she's like oh gosh like this is really embarrassing i must have got like really like hammered and like passed out on stanford's campus and now here i am like in like stanford building and they're right. just gonna add like she's like god this is so embarrassing and you're like well, yeah. how much i drank yeah you're like that, that, here. that would be embarrassing like yeah and then she's like okay like i really gotta pee and they're like no um maybe you don't go pee because they might need a urine sample she's like what 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 are you talking about like if someone can call so like call her sister and her sister's bawling but she's the bigger she's the big older sister so she's like instantly trying to be like oh no Tiffany I'm fine like this is so weird and random but like I'm fine just like come over like come grab me whatever things are great and then like finally like way later the cop is like hey like maybe we think something may have happened she's like what do you like for how long like she's like retelling you this and like obviously like from the outside knowing what we know you're like oh my god girl you were sexually assaulted probably like ah but the amount of time it takes for her to realize for like her like traumatic brain of like she blacks out she doesn't know what the hell's going on to come to and realize like finally she's like a doctor comes in or something and she's allowed to go pee and she goes and she's like pulls down she's like that's really weird that i'm wearing she was wearing a dress and now she's wearing like scrub pants or something she's like that's weird whatever like somebody obviously put these on that's odd she pulls them down but then her underwear aren't there and she's like rubbing her legs like they're gonna magically appear right like you would do that all of a sudden you're like what is happening and that's finally when she's like okay maybe something happened and then there's like the star i think it's the star is what it is um but like all these like doctors and nurses coming in they're taking pictures of everything and she has like pine needles all in her hair that they're like an entire ziploc baggie and then there's more they're like okay yeah this baggie is probably enough you can do it she was just she was like really drunk right i don't believe there was rupees involved in this particular Mm -hmm. case no she was just drunk yeah she just blacked out shitty dudes and drunk people yeah exactly pretty much because what it had come what they think had happened is that her tolerance had severely dropped from the time she graduated but she Mm. didn't realize it because like she's like working like a full-time job now and so she's yeah so she's not drinking nearly as much but she's not thinking about it and also like whatever you're out like it's fun it's a college party like she's still having fun you don't think yeah yeah like that's gonna happen you know yeah you think you're just gonna go home and you're gonna have a terrible hangover the next day like whatever you're not even thinking about the hangover you're just having a grand old time yeah so then it like takes you through like her entire freaking exam but when she's like talking to the police and stuff they're like oh like we don't really know like this is just a precaution like maybe nothing happened and so she hangs on to the maybe nothing happened part she's like okay yeah like you would so she doesn't tell her parents because she's like well why would i something maybe nothing happened nobody needs to know this is just she was like in years from now she's like i'll tell them in like 10 years like oh hardy har what about that time that like i almost they thought i was and they're gonna be like oh what she's like but it was fine she got drunk and passed out in the alley yeah and so so she doesn't think much of it at all and she like goes home she finally was allowed to take a shower. She like goes home. Her sister's super upset because her sister like lost her basically. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I'd be super upset too. Yeah. So she's like at home and she's starting to realize all these bruises are there. So she takes pictures of them. Just, she's like, I don't know. I just feel like I should. 
And then like a couple days later or something like that, like the police officer calls and it's like, hey, oh, because I was they're like, oh, this guy was there. Um, they like tackled him or whatever. He's already been arrested. Don't worry about it. He's released the next morning, as we know, because money. Because he's uh, white. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mediocre white man. And so wish I had the confidence of a mediocre white man. Oh, life goals. Anyways, so the cop or the detective officer, whatever, is like, hey, do you want to press charges? She's like, oh, I mean, I don't know. That's weird. And she's like, well, I mean, I guess. Like, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Like, we're supposed to press charges. Like, okay. Call them out. And, but she has no idea. She's, like, literally totally questioning herself. And they're like, well, they're going to go, they're going to move ahead. The state is going to move ahead with these, whether you're involved or not. And she's like, well, mm-hmm. the state's going to do it. Then, yeah, I might as well press charges. Like, they're already going to do it. Yeah, she has true. no idea. Like, nobody has explained to her what any of this means at Still all. at this point, they haven't. You went through just like a fucking sexual assault rape kit, like yeah, but something maybe didn't happen because the cop at one point says, "I don't know, something, something hinky was going on." I I would think that like once they tell you that they're gonna press charges, like you would think that he did something sketchy. But but, like the way that like the detective and stuff or this officer is like talking to her, like you start to realize like why like they literally give her so little information, like nobody explains any of this to her. But yeah, so then she's just kind of going on and she's like working and she's got like her boyfriend lives in Philly or whatever. And so she finally like has to tell him and that's terrible to like relive with her in this book. Like, oh my lord. Um and so then kind of things go and like she's still trying to like have a job while like having to get phone calls from the DA and stuff like this. And so they're like, okay, so we're going to charge him. I think it, originally it was five. There was like, two rape charges and then three like sexual assault charges. And they're like, if it turns out, if the rape comes back and there's no semen, then we have to drop the two rape charges. Um, but they're like, but we don't know how long that's going to be because there's like a backlog on rape kids. Hardy har, sorry. And she's like, what? It frustrates like, me that semen is like the line. I'm like, you know, people who rape people use condoms sometimes to avoid yep. that, right? Yeah, so apparently in Santa Clara County, maybe is that where it is? I have no idea. Whatever counts accurate. Whatever county it's in back then, because they have the law has changed after this. What well, year did this happen? I don't even know what year this happened. I think this was 2016. 2015 or 2016, I feel like is the year that she was attacked. Feels like longer, but also that sounds probably accurate. A also, lot's happened in five years. Also, like, all of 2020, nothing happened. Like, I literally consistently forget that it was, like, a year. I think that's what it was because I know that, like, four years passed from the time that she was attacked to the time that he was convicted. Okay, so that makes sense. I think it was, like, 2019-ish that he got convicted. So it must have been, like, 20. Yeah, it would have to be. It had been, like, 2018, 2019 that he was convicted so no, it had must have been before that. 2014, 2015, probably. Yeah, then. probably then. Right. Yeah. So okay. since then, like a lot of laws in this county, at least maybe the entire state of California, don't quote me on that, have changed for what the definition of rape is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Good. yeah, so at the time, that is that's the line. And so it comes back. There's no semen, but also she's, and she even says in there, she's like, pretty sure the only reason that mine got like rushed and pushed through is because of all of the um like media attention to this well no there's a bunch of media attention because it was stanford and he's such a great swimmer and he's from a wealthy healthy good life you know because you can't be a rapist if you're a good swimmer yeah we're like if this had just happened like this is how unfortunate it is just like incapable of comprehending that people are multifaceted if it was just like a generic dark-skinned man who did this attack to like he wouldn't even even to her oh yeah no he would never been off on bail like yeah he would have but it would the he probably would have just sat in jail while we waited for her rape kit to come back. Like all kinds of things would have happened otherwise. It's so sad. it's just terrible. Yes. Agreed. So, um, so yeah, so the semen, so it comes back, there's no semen. And so they have to drop the two rape. So how it works, I ended up doing a little bit of research on this. So he ended up being charged with three things. And so how it works is there's levels like one, two, and three. So mm-hmm. if pick whatever, so say three is the highest level. If they say guilty for three, they have to say guilty for two and one. That makes sense. Because it yeah. like builds up. So the highest one was sexual assault with intent to rape an unconscious or inebriated individual. Very long, 
very specific but that's what that's accurate though it was 100 accurate yeah you're like (laughs) i'm reading it and i'm like damn that's really lengthy but yeah okay and so basically the book just kind of takes us along on like the next like four years of her life she's like trying to work this like entry-level job she's super stressed she like has her boyfriend in philly he's like in grad school and but everything that she does has this kind of like clout on it right like she's like oh if i post this like smiling picture of me on instagram are they going to be able to say that like well obviously she wasn't affected because she can smile now like she's happy now or like no they will though exactly and like she that upset yeah and so at one point she takes a summer she like quits her job and she because she used to love art and stuff and she like goes to rhode island she like gets accepted to the summer art thing in rhode island so she just like up and goes and does that for the summer her oh yeah it's, it was great because like, and she definitely like grew a lot that summer too like Good. she started like speaking up for herself and asking questions and stuff but she would walk the like it wasn't very long maybe like two miles from this house that she was renting her room to the college to her thing mm. she'd walk there and back and like at first she was like oh yeah like people would say things at me and yell at me in the car and I would just smile and wave she was like I think that's just like the California upbringing in me is that like you're just polite like people are nice she's like but then I realized like maybe they're not and it was she was like there's times where like it was like say she at one point like this guy is like asking and she literally just like screams like pterodactyl open up screams at this man and he leaves thank the lord like that's what it fucking pterodactyl a man from now on that's what we do that's crazy and mm-hmm. so, but she's like texting her boyfriend and he's like, rent a car. He's like, I will pay you to rent a car. I will pay for the car. Please go pick it up. And she's like, no, like, I don't want these men to take. She's like, I love my walks. It's beautiful here. Da, 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 da. I don't want that. I get it. And so, and he's just like super stressed out about it. She finally caves on one because she's there. It's like eight or nine o'clock at night. It's like super dark. And she's like texting and he like Venmo's her money for like a lift. And she's like, okay, fine okay but then of course she makes the lift dropped her off two blocks away because we can't let our lift drivers even know where we live like that's sketch and so like everything that she's basically doing for these next four years is tainted in this like view oh of God. like because she's like well what happens well, if, what if i get attack me what if i get attacked yeah and but not because then she will have been attacked again but because what will the defense say what will people on the internet say mm-hmm. that she got attacked for a second time like clearly she didn't learn anything obviously it's your fault because she has a really bad habit all four years of this of reading the comments on the internet of trash people and she even says she's like yeah sometimes like people are totally great and they're understanding and they're like fuck man they're terrible she's like but then the next one is i would never my daughter would never this couldn't happen did she really coming from other women and you're just like and i'm getting so mad and so angry at this book like when i tell you there's times i would read five pages and set it down and have to go on a walk because i was so angry and like there's so many emotions where you're just like wanted to scream and be like oh oh my god it was this book makes you feel so many freaking things i finally finished it i probably had like half of it done and i just knew i needed to sit down and finish it so i sat down Mm -hmm. in like three or four hours i finished it and then i stared at the tv turned off for three straight hours I got up to pee and I got up to make me like another vodka drink that I was drinking because I was like, I need alcohol to numb my feelings at this point. Like I can't like I'm already feeling them too much. And it was like so many times like I'm fighting back tears like I was reading it on my lunch break and I was like, I need to stop reading because now I'm going to be crying and they're going to be like, why are you crying? And I'm going to be like this book like, oh, my gosh. So like, wow, I didn't know you picked this one. I really didn't know Krista picked this one. So like I'm hearing this for the first time just as well and i'm i'm freaking shocked like i knew this trial like i knew this case but like to hear it from her perspective is a whole other ball it's so different like it's like it it's insane like i had no idea like and like i said i didn't actually follow the trial and so then you have all this and so then you get to the trial and it has been pushed back again and again and again and tiffany her sister is getting mad because her sister's still in college and so she's constantly having to postpone like she was she got all of her finals moved for the first one and then the day before they moved the trial and so like every time this happens every quarter she has to retell her professors 
why oh she has to move it yeah. so she has to like relive this trauma and her name is story her name is out there like yeah she wasn't sexually assaulted but she was the sister who left her sister alone like she went mm-hmm. to go pee or grab a drink or whatever it was that she did that all of us do at these parties where we walk away from our friend because we think they're going to be fine and that was a quote that she said that the defense latched on it's like oh obviously if her sister thought she was going to be fine where Tiffany is like, no, like I meant she'd be fine. It's like she's not gonna like fall and crack her skull open. Not like, I'm like just so tired though of this expectation that it's women's job to keep other women safe. I'm like, just teach boys to respect women. Like the fact that like we have to jump through all of these hoops and then like then we can say we're a victim if we like made sure to wear the right clothes and do the mm-hmm. right thing and not drink too much and didn't talk to the wrong people and didn't walk alone. And we had more than one taco before having dinner. Right. But like the thing is that all of these little things put the blame on her instead mm-hmm. of like the guy that was such a dick that he decided to rape somebody. Like, yeah, I can't even. Yep. I cannot even. And you know what? Going back to my book, like there are some circle circular cyclical some cyclical I things that, that I can see being connected in here. But like I'm a hardcore feminist, but I have misogyny in me because one of my first thoughts was, oh, her boyfriend didn't leave her. Because most men that I know would blame the woman to some degree for allowing, I'm putting that in air quotes because no one allows this shit to happen to them, allowing him to be attacked. So what happened with that one is that he was already in Philly because he was in grad school. Uh, She had called him and left a hammered, like there is a transcript of the voicemail that she left him. Mm -hmm. Multiple times it's like unintelligible, can't decipher, Mm -hmm. not sure, like and so in it, she's like, just don't tell her because like, then I'm going to treat you like I'm going to give you a gift and you know what I mean or something oh, like that. She said something sexual towards her boyfriend. Obviously, she would have just done anybody. Yeah, exactly. She don't care. Again, her fault. Oh, my Whatever. God. I hate it so much. I'm like so yeah. heated right now. And I so cannot then, even. So then Good we get writing a book. So then we get to the trial. Yes, exactly. Agreed. So we get to the trial. And this is where I say, like, if you have ever been uh, cross-examined by another lawyer, trigger warning because i have i have been like thankfully my shit settled we didn't have to fucking go to court because i don't know that i could have done it because just and and mine was also on zoom like not even like really face to face i couldn't like walk in my bubble i could i stared at my nice lawyer lady's face and the one other nice lawyer face and the freaking little note taker person i never once looked at the dumb square with the dumb lawyer evil man because what they do and i like and it's happening like she literally will put transcripts in the book and you read it and I like my heart rate elevated I started getting sweaty I got angry because they'll say you'll say whatever to your own lawyer because like you know you know what your lawyer's gonna do right you say your things and then they go oh so right like they give you these leading questions and they change your words just enough just a little bit leading the witness your honor so that way yeah apparently you can lead if it's not your witness you can lead them can't lead your own witness yeah. I thought you couldn't lead any witnesses. Learned this afterwards. Too. Yeah. So like if it's your own witness, you can't lead them. But if it's like the defense coming at you, they can say whatever the fuck they want to you. So like, yeah. Hate so basically it. they like change it to try to get you to be like, yeah, no, that's right. But really it's not. But there's only like this one tiny thing. So do you really want to tell this person? And they're you're sitting there being like, well, they're like the professional. Like they do this for a living. Like this is this would be like the ninth time I've said, well, no, actually. I don't trust defense lawyers though. No. They're fucking slimy as shit. They're like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like most defense lawyers are like scum of the earth human beings, though, especially if they're willing to defend somebody who is being charged with sexual assault. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me that their questions would be fucking shady. Yeah. And so like there's times where yeah, he'll like repeat a thing back, like how he does in his defense terms, where literally I was like, oh, like, cause that happened to me, where I had to be like, well, no. Like what you said was inaccurate and then you have to correct them. And the ninth time, the 10th time it happens, you're sitting here being like, well, I'm a dick. Cause like, we don't just go around correcting people in our normal life. Like you say something that's slightly inaccurate and go, actually, Rachel, that was wrong. No, I'm afraid to do that. That causes sweating and anxiety yeah. and really you paper bag status. But you have to do that in these cases, oh, no. like in these situations. Yeah, and so would. like, 
And so, like, that is terrible, having to, like, live that through her. But, like, and then at one point, so, like, she can't ever talk with her sister about it because that's conspiring. And there's, like, all these other things that are going on. And, like, she can't be in the courtroom when anybody else is answering any of their questions and stuff like that. And so then the jury comes back, guilty on all three accounts, which we know. And so then she has to give her victim statement. And so there's like two months, but there is two months. I shouldn't say like there's two months between his um, verdict and his sentencing. I remember because since he got six months is that if he had just stayed in jail for his two fucking months, he would have been out in a month on good behavior. He would have been out in a month he would have been after his served. sentencing. Oh yeah. Well, that's, we can't be mad at time served. That's everybody gets time served. That's very common. When white men get it though, okay? It's a real it's a whole other issue when white men get it. It's murderers like this. Murderers get time served. Like everybody gets time served. Yeah, because they got like 20 years and they're like, oh, time served. You got one year off. And it's not a big deal. But when you have six mm. months and time served is two months. Yeah. So everybody gives their victim statement, victim impact statements. And her lawyer basically, so like also in this four years that this shit has been going on, her the DA gets reassigned to a new division and is has to ask oh. to stay on and thankfully is approved. So she stays. But then she oh, had like a um not an ally, but she had like a support type person assigned to her. That person got like a promotion to a different one, got this whole new job. So like partway through that, mm. she has to have like a whole new person. So like that's like just a shitty. Counselor, social work, something like that. Yeah, like sort of like a yeah, where they're like there. It's like a victim support person kind of a thing where that's who oh, you would call yeah, to be yeah. like like a emotions lady yeah like you're not gonna call your ga and be like trauma i'm having problems sleeping like but you can call this person yeah, i was raped and i need some help no that's not what that's not what your school counselor is for okay yeah that's what this person I mean, is tell, for tell them don't get me wrong fucking tell yes them. but it's and then you will be given this victim assistance person who understands and can help way more so basically at this point the da is like hey like do not come in for the like this first half of these victim statatements like don't do it but so before that actually i need to go back because this is fucked up and there's this is so part much. of why he got such a short one is that there's this parole officer who calls her and she's been super skeptical unknown numbers so she calls the da gal and she's like hey like this person called is this real or is this a reporter trying to scam me she's like nope it's real uh just tell her that you're going to email over your victim impact statement so she calls she doesn't say that she starts talking to the woman and the woman, because these things are subjective, takes her words that she says and changes it. So basically she's like, well, what do you think? And she's like, I mean, I like really hope that like he gets the help he needs. and like, he needs to be in jail. And she's like, oh, so you only want a year. She's like, no, I think he should have more than a year. And she's like, well, you said jail. Like nobody had explained to her. And no I didn't know this. The difference between jail and federal prison. Okay. Apparently federal prison is more than a year. County jail has a max of a year. But, yeah. like, if you don't know that, you don't fucking know that. So, like, that's not what she's trying to say. And then she's like, oh, yeah, like, I hope he gets the help he needs. But the reason she has that is because she has this other trauma. When she was in college, there was the shooter who went around and he ended up killing, like, six people plus himself. Four of them were women. Yeah, four of them were women because he was the nobody would sleep with him. No woman would go on a date with him. And it was all their fault. And, like... But women are the problem in this country, even yeah. though men can't handle someone saying no, thank you. Yeah. What was it? They're like incels or whatever, the involuntary celibates. That's who this guy was. So he like goes fucking shooting up a college campus and then takes his own life. And so like she has that. So like that's what she's thinking. It's like, well, shit, like I know what happens when white men get angry and get upset at women. Like she's like, so she's concerned about that. So like that's what she's trying to say. And basically this parole officer gal takes it as like, oh, like she just cares more about his rehabilitation and like Royce is like bullshit thing and at this point she hasn't even read Brock Turner's statement either and so then she finally like reads it like after she's talked to this woman and it's basically like these bullshit apologies about nonsense like his lawyer probably wrote it for him let's be honest and so she I like don't think that, I don't think that man can string two sentences together he's a good swimmer he's an athlete this tells me this man has zero brains yeah he managed to uh, make some kid do his schoolwork so he could graduate right so she like gives her speech and like Brock gives his and like of course his parents say things and they're able to like bring in all these character witnesses but like the character witnesses are like his high school French teacher and she was like so glad you did well at French like you know what's that have to do and so then like her the DA is like no French teacher lady um have you ever known him when he was drunk no why would she so, 
Exactly. Like, so why are you using her as a character witness? That's like that's like me calling my daycare lady and being like, "Hey, I'm on trial for murder. I need you to let them know that like when I was a baby, I was really cute." Totally was not a biter. She didn't even bite anyone. That there are no predispositions. Even if you like Russian. put your finger in her mouth, she wouldn't bite you. No way that she could kill and eat all 900 of those people. Don't believe it would second. never happen. I bet you fucking Jeffrey Dahmer's kindergarten teacher thought he was a sweetheart too. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, so then all that goes and then like freaking dipshit lawyer, man, is like six months, which means three months of good behavior because every day of good behavior takes a day off your sentence. But like, well, every time he walks outside of his house, there's a woman there to punch him in the face. Right in the cojones is where I want to go. Like, or maybe you know, or right in the diaphragm. So he like yeah. loses his breath every time. It's like, I know anger rooms are a thing to like get out your aggression. I would like there to be like, like a rapist room where like I just walk in and there's five rapists and I can punch each one in the face once. I feel like that would be fair. I think three out of five would be fair. Like you have to take your pick. Or maybe you yeah, have to that's pay extra. I can pick the three punchable. Or you can pay extra extra to hit all five. I... Not that I condone physical assault, but I think that some people really need to be punched in the face. Also, this would be a business. And as a business owner, I need to make money. So I need to charge extra Correct. to hit all five. So Correct. That's a very and you have to do it easy. before you see them. You know, that's a good point. You have to make money and not based on their sneer. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So then the book kind of goes on about like, so yeah, then here's the bullshit sentence. But like, so how sentencing works is that like there's an entire group of people that all get sentenced on the same day. And in this court, it's Thursdays, every Thursday, sentencing day. So she's sitting here beforehand, and there's this woman whose husband beats the shit out of her. And she has like all these bruises and all this stuff. And this piece of shit judge gives that. I'm angry about this one too. He gets 72 days, but he only gets weekend jail. So he can keep his job. So Monday through Friday, he goes to his job. Saturday and Sunday, he goes to jail. That's not a thing. Apparently it is in this county. So 72 days, but every day of good behavior, which how hard is unsubscribe from America? How hard is it to have good behavior two days a week? So yeah, so he'll be out. That guy would have been out, probably got out about the exact same time as Brock Turner. He probably goes home on Tuesday nights, beats his wife, and then just goes to jail on Saturday. And it's like, it's like those people who go to church and think that like they can get away with anything because they atoned. Because so like this woman, like English is not her first language. So she's trying to read her victim impact statement to like get more days or get a larger one. And the judge is literally being like, can you hurry it up? Can you move it along? And so then like when Chanel is giving hers, he's like kind of rushing her along too. Which then, like, way later, she, like, learns, like, there's um, the judge for, what is it, Napier? The um, gymnast coach, who it came mm-hmm. out that he sexually assaulted a bajillion women. Right, right, right. The Olympic guy. Mm-hmm. So that judge let every single woman, child, I guess, let's be honest, their children, most of them, speak for as long as they needed. And that's when Chanel was like, wait, that's a thing? Like That's the, the right thing. The judge is in control. So fucking dipshit judge here. So it sounds like the first judge was sexist as shit. Yeah. And so then they, um, a whole bunch of people, they, they got like all these signatures. They need, they needed almost 100,000 signatures, like 78,000 signatures to get on the ballot to have him repealed, which had never been heard of. And they got the signatures. And so like, so this is like the after part where like Chanel is like, seeing these people in a grocery like outside a grocery store trying to get signatures and stuff like that and like her grandparents like english is their second language like they immigrated over so like she's trying to have to like so having to explain to them like what's going on too like they're sitting in the courtroom they don't really understand so like you get all of these things and like all of this like drawn out trauma for this like four years that this is happening like this is one like just read it like everyone needs to read this you're going to get angry and sad and you're going to want to scream and fight and punch and it is so good i am give i give it like four and a half 4.3 quarters stars it doesn't get the full five because she does a lot of these sort of like flashbacks like these goes back to these parts of her childhood where she's telling you about and a lot of them do make sense a lot of them build and you go oh i see like, i see why you put that in there but sometimes they drag on and i go I don't care anymore about when you were 12 and your teacher did this thing and this happened and oh my god it's been seven pages of this like please get to the point you're making so like four and a half 4.3 4.75 why did I say three oh three quarters oh brain sorry but 
it's still like this is a book like everyone needs to read if you like her voice listen to it because i bet that this is like i've like read some of the reviews on it and like you can hear her getting choked up trying to read it it. trying to get through it so like i think it would be absolutely amazing i just didn't like her voice enough to listen to it but highly highly recommend so good for you for picking this topic because hot damn i was between this and jane fonda so i'm glad i picked (laughs) this one yeah Chris and I have not been like super selective I like reorganized my bookshelves recently and literally my top shelf is books I have not read yet but like want to imminently and there's like 20 books up there so whenever she texts me and is like what's topic is next I'm like these are the books I have yeah which topic do you want to do based off of these <laughs> which books one of these do you want me to read yeah and I was like oh we'll do that we'll do memoirs I don't know and then when I googled it this one popped up as a memoir and that's when I googled what's a memoir an autobiography yeah. and then I learned because this one has been on my list basically since she wrote it because that was the thing is that so when she was writing the book it was like at the end she like finally got it over to her editor and they're like okay yeah. like do you want to put your name on it or do you not like do you want to still be Emily Doe and she had to go like back and forth and back and forth and like she basically had to decide do I finally tell people who I am or not so and like even like I think it was like the second or third like it was like pretty far into the like publishing of the book before she decided to like actually um, obviously on the title because if she hadn't given her name it wouldn't be know my name but glad she put her name though honestly because like there's that bravery again like I think it's really important to say like Mm -hmm. this person's shitty and this person did this thing to me and like I'm a real human being I'm not some like anonymous writer like I know it's really hard and I don't blame people at all for not wanting their name on there because they're gonna have to deal with it every day but I also think that like putting your name on there and like pointing fingers like it adds clout to it to me like yeah and I think would you risk your reputation or risk being bombarded by reporters yeah if it wasn't true and I think that like especially like for her is that reporters already knew who she was so like at the very end of the trial one of the reporters leaked her name like they they posted it and like there's no reason not to the DA had like I well they only got Chanel Doe but like you can easily deduce based on the fact that her sister sister, tiffany miller is being sworn like you can deduce these things um right but like and like the da had like done all the things like no you can't put the name victim right but she was at that point she was like it's every it's already out there like people already know and so then she was having to do this thing where like she'd meet somebody not necessarily meet somebody but trying to like tell a new friend or an old friend that this thing happened to her and like she had like had told a friend and the friend was like when i was 18 like so she had one friend that like i think was like the first friend that she had ever told but this friend had been assaulted when she was 18 and had like tried to do everything. And they're like, there's not enough evidence. We can't do anything. So when she finally told this friend, she was like, yes, she's like, I couldn't get the justice. Like I couldn't do this, but I am here for you. Like, what do you need? And she was like studying in France or something like that. And so like Chanel felt like really alone through all of this. Cause like she was super closed off. Didn't want to tell anybody what was going on, which totally get, that would be me. And then for the victim impact statement, she finally was like, she told a bunch of people and she was like, hey, like, can you come? And like her buddy like flew in from France, like a ton of people took time off work, drove across the country, did whatever they needed to do just to be there. And that was finally, I think also her like, oh my God, I have people who care. I have been closing myself in into my safe bubble because it's easy. Like when people don't know, it's easy to pretend like, oh, that's that's happening to Emily. That's not happening to me. Yeah. They want you to not say anything and not talk about it like it's not normal. It's it's similar to like women talking about miscarriage. Like you can walk into a room and say who has been sexually assaulted if it's a room of a hundred women and more than half of them are gonna raise their hands. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like full-blown penetration or I had sex, I didn't want to have sex, but I was afraid. Like there's a whole, yeah. whole gambit. And I think that like being able to talk about it is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like her. I said, I'm proud of her as yeah. shit. Yeah, I'm. I love that she put her name out there. It had to have been scary as all hell, but worth it. And I think she said, I think I remember, like she said that like the day it was published or something, she like had shut off like all her phones and her laptop and everything, and was like, "We're gonna go like go to a hike or I can't remember. Greenless. I think she, I think she went like did a thing that was like not only is everything turned off, we're gonna leave cell phone service because I can't like, and I I totally get that like oh good for her good for so her. yeah well i know that our next topic is not quite so heavy although i i like that our um memoirs were fairly like juxtapositioned like yeah kind of opposite um themes so that was cool that was well planned yeah not planned <laughs> unplanned well but it worked out. out really well 
Uh, yeah, but our next one, we've got like uh, fairy tales, but like retellings. Yeah, right? like a retelling like, reimagining. It was like this instead. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested. It's a huge genre that we suddenly stumbled upon because I had two books on my TBR. Uh, come back in two weeks. Check on that. In the meantime, you can always like see what else we're reading. Sometimes we post stories on Instagram, which is it's in a past your bedtime, Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. You can check out our website to see what's in the archive, what we've talked about in the past, and what's coming up next at isn'titpastyourbedtime.com. And I think the last one is email. Uh, isn't it past your bedtime at Gmail if you have anything long, short you want to say. We're all for that. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Super appreciate it. And we will talk at all of y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.